Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Fire Church Karam Downs. Amen. You may grab your seats. I want you to give it up for the band one more time. Thank you, worship team. Powerful. Um, before I, I preach, just a few extra things as well. Hello to everyone watching online. Um, share this broadcast if you haven't yet. I haven't done it yet. I better do that myself right now. Um, big shout out to Melissa and Darren Hutchison, our Geelong House Church leaders. Um, we are going to kick off Geelong House Church at their place on Sunday, the 16th of October. We've had meetings and we, we're going to get Geelong off the ground. There's been a few um, hurdles in the way in the last couple of months, uh, but we, we do feel just to restart it organically. And we're going to open it up with a barbecue at their place. We're going to, they're going to tune in for the broadcast. They're going to lay hands on the sick, pray for them. And we're going to, going to get the word out. And I, I have a feeling that that house church will explode pretty quickly. And then two doors down, there's a, a community center that we have our eyes on. But be praying for pastors and leaders and, and for the Lord to add more and more people uh, to Geelong Fire Church. We are keen to see God move in Geelong. Who's keen to see God move in Geelong? Who's, who's a Geelong Cats fan? I want to, two, two very happy people last week. We're still praying for uh, Alison and Cal, Sydney Swans people. <laughs> very good. Hello to everyone watching online. We've got Luis, uh, Richelli and Darren and Glenn and Amber in Darwin doing great work in Darwin at the moment in a missions trip. Hello to Matthew Prince, Celia, Jasmine. Bradley, Louise, Victoria, a whole bunch of people online. Shailene, Shailene's here in the room and she's watching online too. Hold well on, Shailene. Good stuff. Um, before I get into the Word, I, I really felt a stirring from the Lord. Um, he hates sicknesses. He hates when people go through um, all sorts of different issues, uh, mentally, physically in their bodies. Uh, there might be a little bit of turmoil in, in your family. And I just want to open up just for a few minutes because I just felt the Lord's heart before I get into the Word. You see, I've also been studying on two great prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and God makes it so simple. When the mantle comes upon you, and there's, there's many people in the room who carry the power of the Holy Spirit, we just got to keep it simple. There was a man named Naaman who suffered with terrible leprosy in the Bible, and the prophet Elisha gave simple instructions, go into the Jordan River and wash yourself seven times. He got angry at his servant and he said, oh, is that what it really takes? And his servant said, please, master, you know, if he'd asked you to do something more difficult, you would have gone and done it. Simply put, friends, the Lord is keeping it simple. He's saying, will you receive it today by faith? Don't think it has to be a 10-month recovery process, 10-month, you know, ordeal to go through. Why not get it done today? Amen. So let's just be up on our feet. Let's just open it up right now. This this atmosphere of faith that the Lord is stirring, that His presence is present to heal. There is people watching online with cancer right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we rebuke that spirit of cancer that is trying to come back right now in Jesus' name. Get out, get out in Jesus' name. If there's anyone that needs healing in their bodies, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Why don't you just stretch out your hands, put your hands on their shoulder wherever you are. 
If you're available to pray, I want you to just pray for your brother and sister right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Chronic conditions, in Jesus' name, we, we command you to be stopped. We rebuke you right now, in Jesus' name. Divine bill of health over our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for right shoulder injuries to be healed, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for hips to be realigned in Jesus' mighty name. The tendons, muscles, and tissues regrow in Jesus' mighty name. Where, where there's issues with reproductive systems, Father God, and giving children, Father God, we command health and life right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus, that one year from now, there should be a testimony of your goodness, that there shall be babies, Father God, where there wasn't the ability as proclaimed by doctors and professionals that I'm sorry that you can't have a child. But Father God, we command healing right now. We command life in Jesus' mighty name. We rebuke endometriosis in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. People watching at home with coronavirus. What is it now? I'm, I'm whatever variant. Gone in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever it is, it is gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for complete healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you've... Put up your hand that there's some sort of issue in your body and you've got prayer for and you feel there's been a change, a significant change. Why don't you just wave your hand right now? Is there anyone that, that you feel there's been a change in your body? I just feel the spirit of suicide. We come against you right now in Jesus' mighty name. We rebuke you. We silence you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As we go in this week for a family member who's passed away, Father God, we, we command life to come back in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. We come hungry. We come expectant. Spirit of fear, get off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Love, power, and a sound mind in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Once you were... Uh, Kiss your neighbor and whisper Omicron in the area as you come back to your seat. I'm being cheeky. <laughs> I got that joke from a pastor's conference. That's a good joke, isn't it? In all that we've gone through. Praise God. It's good to have fun in church. Amen. Um, let's turn to the screens. Uh, if the team, if you got that available, that'd be amazing. Thank you to the amazing team that uh, put up with my last minute request and, and Robin for getting, scrambling that together for us. And can we give it up for Ben, Daniel Hayes, and our young Rory on the camera. Happy birthday, Rory. It's his birthday on Friday. If you feel to bless him some Jordans, I know that's one of his birthday requests. Bless him with some Jordans, amen. Uh, let's turn to scriptures. First Kings 19, verse 19. As we turn there, let's give... The, the Word of God to honor, amen. First Kings 19, 19 to 21. This story of um, Elijah the prophet giving his mantle to Elisha, before we, re we read the, the passages of Scripture, it's good to know a bit of background, a bit of context into what's happened at this point in the prophet Elijah's life and why it's so important that we pick it up at this point in the story. You see, there's this prophet named Elijah who was called by God to really correct, rebuke, and bring a move of God in the northern kingdoms of Israel. You see, the southern kingdoms 
were, the, the two kingdoms of Israel were divided into two. The southern kingdoms, uh, southern kingdom, Judah, were doing great consistently. We're living for God. But the northern ones had some pretty dodgy kings, if we're honest. If you look through your scriptures, and often the, the prophets would have to come in, correct, and perform different signs, wonders, and miracles. And we see Elijah, he called upon a drought. The Bible says in James that Elijah was just a regular man like you and me. And he had the authority to call upon a drought, to call the rain to stop. I praise God when I saw this in the New Testament, James 5.17, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, the heavens gave rain and the earth yielded its crops. He had the power and the authority to command the weather. When I heard that, I thought, brilliant. Every birthday now, we're going to pray for great weather. <laughs> and literally, when there's been forecasts for rain, I said, Lord, let, let it rain. We, the, the land needs rain. We, our crops need to grow. But at least for my birthday, where I'm heading to the city, let there be a, a cloud, a, a ring of blue skies. Each and every year, without fail, the Lord brings great weather. This I just kind of forgot that prayer. I think the Lord knows my heart. It's just automatic. He gave great weather. (laughs) But we have the authority and the power, just like Elijah, an ordinary person, an ordinary man, with the power of God to move in great and mighty ways. And so Elijah was tasked to rebuke the different sinful activities of his time and his region. He, He had a showdown with the false prophets of Baal, where they were trying to bring back the rain. There's been a drought for three and a half years. And, and the prophets of Baal, if you know the story, were cutting themselves. You know, the human sacrifices where they thought, maybe this will bring the rain down. And, and Elijah, if you read the story, it's quite hilarious. He, he mocks them. He goes, oh, why don't you do this kind of chant or do that? He really has his day with them, has a lot of fun with them. And then he says, now it's my turn. And he pours out a great drink offering, water all over the altar into the different areas. And it says when he done that and he prayed for the rain to come, the the fire of God came down as a sign and wanted to confirm who the true and living God is. And it licked up the water offering. It wasn't just a a little bit of 600 mil of Mount Franklin. It it was a, a generous amount in a time of drought. A sacrifice needs to be given. Amen. If we are expecting a great move of God, there's a price to be paid. And so Elijah paid the price and the altar, the stones, the wood, everything was consumed by the fire. And even with this, and he put to death the false prophets of Baal. And even with the great hand of God moving in his life, there was this woman called Jezebel who was not happy. And she said, this time tomorrow, I swear on my life that this man shall be dead. She'd already put 50 prophets of God to death. And so Elijah's freaking out. He runs for the hills. He flees for his life. And, and then an angel meets him and says, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you doing here? He goes, I've served the Lord hard. I've served the Lord passionately. Yet I'm fearful for my life and I'm on the run. And the angel says, eat. You know, he sends the ravens, eat some bread, have some water from the brook. There's a great journey ahead for you. 40 days into Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, where Moses met the Lord. 
go to where the Lord is. And he's standing at the mountain. And the Lord says, stand at the, at the entrance of the cave and look out. And there, there was a great wind that came past. And it, it tore down some rocks. But the Bible says, but the Lord was not there. And then there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't there. And then there was fire, but the Lord wasn't there. And then this still small voice came to Elijah and he turned around and he leaned in. He listened in. You see, sometimes the world will see great miraculous signs that people of God will perform, the sick will be healed, but it's still not enough for them. Sometimes we're waiting for the big miraculous signs of God to confirm the word, but all we really need is that still small voice. Do you know his voice this morning? Do you know what his voice sounds like, what he's saying over you? And God gives him instructions to appoint these different kings, these different leaders, and then it says, you're going to appoint Elisha as your successor. So we pick it up in 1 Kings 19, 19, 21. It says this, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? Or other translations say, Think about what I've done. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment he gave and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. I need someone to help me. He wants to be a willing volunteer. He wants to be Elisha this morning. Quick hand, quick hand. Ah, Judy, Judy, come, come around. We know that the Spirit of God, when it comes on a person, is not, um, you know, partial towards male or female. It, it, Spirit of God will come upon anyone that's hungry. So imagine, if you will, Mama Judy is Elisha for a minute, that she's plowing, plowing the fields with the 12 oxen. You've got to understand, when you have 12 oxen in your family, you're, you're, a, you're a wealthy person. You, you've got life sorted. You're, you're, you're sweet. You, you don't need anything else to interrupt your life right now. Your life is set. Your life is set. You don't even need the lottery ticket anymore. You're, you're done. You're, you're born into richness, right? But I sense in Elisha's life, for him to do what he's done, there was something yearning in his heart, perhaps for something more. And so Elisha is plowing, and here comes Elijah, without even saying a word. Boom. <laughs> and stay there, stay there. Without even saying a word. You see, back then, if we go to the next slide, the word mantle in Hebrew is aderet. Aderet or dereth means glory. It's a cloak. Often it is worn by kings or prophets or priests. It's a distinguishing um, symbol, and it, it is symbolic, if we go to the next slide, of God's assignment, anointing, authority, power, giftings, callings, protection. It's all of those things and more. And the mantle for us as modern-day believers represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit on a person's life. So in 
Elisha and Elijah's time, they knew what this meant, that this garment, this cloak that was often covered with animal's hair. By the way, this is in the lost and found property. Is this anyone's? It's been there for a few weeks. Come claim it. It's doused with anointing now. You walk out of here raising the dead, praying for the sick. <laughs> so Elisha knew right away, without a word, just, just a cloak. And he drops everything immediately. And he runs after the man. So okay. I, I, I've just okay. given my cloak and I'll walk off. I'll just see what are you going to do with this. Sorry, cameras. Elisha immediately drops everything and runs after the man of God, runs after the call of God on their life. And he says, please let me first say goodbye to my mother and father. And Elijah says, think about what I've just done. Will you count the cost? Will you pay the price of what it takes to really go after and follow what this means for your life? Yes. Amen. I love Mama Judy. Elisha then goes back, and as we know, the story goes that he burnt up the plowing equipment. He cooked up a great barbecue. It was probably 12 hours slow roast over the coals, tender meat, and gave it to everyone around him. It was a big price to pay. It was a symbol of him saying, I'm no longer going to go back to what I'm comfortable with, to what I know, to all this, this world's pleasures, but I'm going to run after the call of God. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but who knows, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. It says this in 1 Peter 5, 9, when talking about the mantle of God, we today as believers are actually priests of God. If you don't believe me, and it's not like the dog collar, you know, the black thing with the white thing. We're priests of God, as people of God. It says this behind 1 Peter 5, 9. But you are a chosen people. Everyone, let's, say, let's read this out together. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a priest of God. Amen. You are a priest of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, priest of God. And so in the New Testament, we no longer need to rely on cloaks, physical cloaks like this anymore. Something better has come along, or rather someone better has come along. And Jesus promised this. Let's go to the next slide. In Luke 24, 49, Judy, you can take your seat back. You can, uh, actually, I'll need that for another illustration. But you have, you have the mantle, Judy. It's all over you. It says this, I'm go this is Jesus. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been, everyone say, clothed. Clothed with power from on high. Jesus was promising a wardrobe of cloaks from heaven. They're going to fall down, perfect fit, size 34 pants, large tops. He wasn't talking about a physical clothing. What was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Let's go to the next slide. 
in Acts 1 verse 8. It says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Karim Downs, Frankston, Melbourne, Mandalaza, Mornington, Sorrento, Portsea, Werribee, Hoppers Crossing, Adelaide, Sydney, Queensland, Bonnie Doon, wherever, to the ends of the earth. I, I heard recently that New Zealand is the most furthest part, you can confirm it, look at Kiwis in a room, most furthest part from Jerusalem. Have you heard that before? Apparently it is. Most furthest part from Jerusalem is New Zealand to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be, Jesus said, promised, you shall be clothed with power. It's not a physical clothing, it's the Holy Spirit on you. And what does he say in, in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that his spirit shall be poured out on the special flesh, the select flesh, the elite flesh, on all flesh. The Holy Spirit shall be poured out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Who's a son and a daughter in this room? Your sons and your daughters, daughters shall prophesy. So sometimes there's a misconception that we think the servants of God, people who move in great signs, wonders, miracles, those who prophesy are only those who are on this platform or platforms like this. We forget that we, as sons and daughters of God, have got the power of God in us to prophesy in our workplaces, in our families, in every room that we step into, we carry the power of God to demonstrate the power of God. Paul said, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but it's a demonstration of His power. Smith Wigglesworth said that the tragedy of a Christian life is one who, who knows these things, I'm just paraphrasing, but doesn't live it out. That they have, what, what does the Bible say? The, the characteristics of God, the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Who knows sick people in, in your own personal life? In, in this current moment or past, past times? So who's come across, come on, that's, that's all of us. Who's come across sick people in your family, in your workplaces? There's opportunities left, right, and center. There's no need to wait for the Sunday morning service, you have been clothed with power from on high to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cleanse the lepers. Freely you have received, now freely give. Freely you receive, now freely give. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it makes you do things that is beyond your natural strengths, your natural abilities. I remember when I first got born again, July 16, 2003, uh, the pastor's son who I grew up with, who was a bad boy, became good, and I saw the fire in his eyes and, and in his sisters and said, I want what they have. I want that peace, the joy, the satisfaction that they carry. And I knew it was God. I've been running my whole life away from, it, from him. Within a few, within the first 12 months, maybe 24 months, um, I, I started to witness on the streets, read my Bible. I figured, yeah, cool, I've got to do this as well, tell people about Jesus, Flinders Street Station. 
and I hated public speaking. I could do one-on-one conversations. That, that, was, that was a no-brainer for me. In terms of confidence, that was easy. That was all good. It was a stretch, yes, I'll, I'll be honest. Also, it was out of my comfort zone, but never get me up to public speak. And I remember my friend who um, led me to the Lord, the pastor's son, he started to get speaking invites to all these different youth groups. He was on fire for God, still is on fire for God. He just got ordained in a pastor's conference last week on the platform as a ordained, he got his OMC, the ordained minister's credentials. I'm just on my PMC, provisional. I'm on my P place right now. There's a whole bunch of us on, on the platform, but my friend getting all these speaking engagements and then he gets me up, God, oh, don't do this. And, and he just asked me to, to um, just do a general prayer. And I just went in my comfort zone. I went for the altar call. No one put up their hand. And, and then he, he just prophesied and prayed that you will be a pastor. Like, don't tell me that. I was just thinking in my head, don't tell me that. Because that, that requires preaching, which is public speaking, which is what I'm terrified of. And then other people will confirm it. Throughout the next couple of months, oh, you've got such a pastor's heart. I go, no, no, don't. I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. Deep down, hidden fears of public speaking. I was denying it because I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this in my own strength, Father God. I can't do this. You know how awkward I get, even in a public um, Bible study group. In, in a room of five people, I still get nervous. I can't do this, Lord. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. Amen. That's the reason why we come across great and mighty women and men of God who are just ordinary people like Smith Wigglesworth, who came to the Lord in his 30s, was a plumber most of his career in his 50s when his wife passed away. He caught the fire of God. He understood the mantle on his life. You think Smith was doing this for 30 years before he reached his pinnacle. He was just a regular Christian, a pew warmer. They didn't have padded seats back then. A pew warmer. And, and, but when he realized what was on him, that's when he started to see the dead being raised, the sick being healed, the multitudes coming to the Lord. And that's why he's known to say, a man on fire, truly on fire with the Holy Spirit, can do more in one year in his life than 50 years without the fire of God. When you understand what is on you, who is in you, and when you allow God to move through you, you'll see a great move of God like you've never seen before, that you go beyond your comfort levels, what you're naturally afraid of, and let God just use you and push you into a place that even you look back and you think, wow, this is insane. And people will think, exactly. You're, cra- you're either crazy or it's God. And more often than not, it's God. Just keep the crazy talk to yourself, that's all. You know what I love about this story is Jezebel, she said, this man's going to die for killing my prophets. The prophets of Baal. And Elijah's on the run, and he's terrified. And the Lord said, do these things, appoint these kings, appoint Elisha. But then there is also 7,000 who have bowed their knee to Baal. There's a remnant waiting. And they would become the school of prophets under Elijah and Elisha's training. 
what I love sometimes in circles like ours, that we get hung up a little bit too much on the Jezebel spirit, that we give the enemy a little bit too much credit. Oh, the Jezebel spirit's in that person. Oh, the Jezebel spirit's in that person. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Kick it out in Jesus' name. Amen. But can I encourage you, even Jezebel herself, who said Elijah will die tomorrow, even herself, yes, it talks about the Jezebel spirit in Revelations, but even the woman herself who was present and that spirit in her who wanted to kill the people of God, she said he will die tomorrow. But can I attest to you, that day came, 24 hours later, Elijah was still alive. A week later, Elijah was still alive. A month later, Elijah was still alive. A year later, 10 years later, many decades later, Elijah still lives to the point that Elijah never died because if you know the story, he was caught up in a chariot of fire and he went up to be with the Lord. So don't give the enemy more credit than he deserves. Amen. Kick out the Jezebel spirit. Do not tolerate it like the Bible says. But we could go beyond being obsessed with the Jezebel spirit. And I'll, I'll bring in a bonus one with generational curses. I see people in our circles kind of get hung up on generational curses. They think, I, I need to uh, repent of my father's, father's, father's sins. So your great-granddad, that's amazing. But, but where, where is that in Scripture? Oh, it's in the Old Testament. Oh, that's amazing. You know, in the Old Testament too, in the book of Ezekiel, it says, no longer, the Lord says, no longer will I count the sins of the fathers and hold them accountable to their sons. Each generation will be accountable for their own sins. And then more than that, we're in the new covenant. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, behold, the old has passed. The curses, the, the ways of this world, our sinful nature, the old has passed and the new has come. And we all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We need to understand for us to fr- thrive and flourish in our ministry of reconciliation and bring others to Him. We need to understand we've got this new nature, this new identity and the old has passed. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's not our old nature, but it's our new nature that enables us to do the work of God. So we see, if we go to the next slide, the miracles performed through Elijah. That's 14. Outstanding miracles. The causing of the rain to cease for three and a half years, which we talked about. Being fed by the ravens, we talked about. The miracle of the barrel of meal and curse of oil. Resurrection from the widow's son. Calling a fire from heaven on the altar. Come on. Causing it to rain. Prophecy that Ahab's sons would all be destroyed. Prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. That's what you do with Jezebel's spirit. Throw them to the dogs. Not the person, you know, we wage not with flesh and blood, but the spirits and principalities and powers and authorities. Don't, don't throw someone you had an argument with to your pit bull or your German shepherd. Don't do that. <laughs> Prophecy that Isaiah would die of his illness, calling fire from heaven upon the first 50 soldiers, calling fire from heaven upon the second 50 soldiers, parting of the Jordan. Prophecy that Elijah, Elisha should have a double portion of his spirit and being caught up in heaven in a whirlwind. So Elijah prays for a double portion. Let's go to the next slide. What does double portion look like? Elijah had 14 notable miracles. 
that the Bible records. Elisha, guess how much he has? Double the amount, 28. This person who lived with comfort, who had everything set up in his life, had wealth, probably had no business of doing anything else outside of the family business, was quite comfortable. And the Lord is speaking to our comfort this morning. Where are the areas of your, of your life that are so comfortable that you're willing to say to the call of God, you know what, I'm sweet, I'm sorted. I'll, I'll just, I'll take it easy from here on out. Could you imagine if Elisha, could you imagine if Elisha had the cloak put on him and he looked around, you see Elijah walking in the distance, he looked at what he's got in all his possessions. And he thought, you know what? I've got a pretty sweet. Elijah, actually, here's a refund. You have it back. I'm, I'm good. I'm settled. I'm sorted. You can imagine many decades later, looking back in his own life, he might be sitting old and frail and thinking, what if, what if I actually did follow that man of God? What if I actually did follow that call of God in my life, what would have happened? I've amassed all this stuff and I don't have anything against people with things. I've got things, that's obvious. You've got things. But I think the Lord has issues when things have a grip on us. Amen. I'll shout out to Corey. I just saw you, Corey. Corey and Felicity. Where's Bub Sadie? She's in, in the parents' room. Shout out to you guys. A miracle. A baby who had diagnosed with Turner syndrome, going to have kidney, heart issues, and they reached out for prayer. And in the follow-up appointment, praise God, the scan showed a 100% healthy baby. No kidney issues, no heart issues, no lung issues. Sadie now with us, love and life, filling up nappies and keeping parents awake. Amen. But isn't God good? A regular bunch of people like you and me, when we get prayer requests like that, and I, I fed it to the prayer team right away, they were on it, praying for a miracle that we would see this baby healthy and, and, and thriving. And now the, fruit, the miracle is here to testify of the goodness of God. And he, they've got all the doctor's reports to say this baby's going to have major issues in her, in her life. Not one issue. Not one issue. So Elijah, he has this double portion. You can see it. You can see it for yourself on the screen. The, the parting of the Jordan. It's interesting. Let's go to the next slide. It says that as Elijah was on his way, to go home with the Lord. Oh, do I have the next slide, please? It's just a picture. Second Kings five, a second uh, Kings chapter two, verse five to nine is a reference for you. If you want to read it in your own time. But Elisha stuck with Elijah till the very end. Sometimes we get the call of God in our lives, and God asks us to to be faithful. You see, God isn't so much impressed by the talents 
and, and the, the shows that we put on for him or the great uh, miraculous signs and wonders that we perform for him. But God, I would say, is more impressed by our faithfulness. God was impressed by Elijah's faithfulness. Elijah was impressed by Elijah's faithfulness, even when he tested Elisha to say, why don't you hang with the prophets, with the school of prophets? I'm, I'm going to go beyond the Jordan. And Elisha says, no, Master, I must stay with you. And Elijah asked him, what do you want when I go? He goes, I want a double portion. And Elijah says to him, you've asked for a hard thing, but when I'm caught up and you see me, you shall receive the double portion. You shall receive my cloak. But if you don't see me, in other words, if you give up, if, if you back down and not be faithful, then you won't get the double portion. Praise God, Elisha stuck it through to the very end. And as Elijah was caught up in a chariot of fire, the cloak was dropped. Elisha tears his clothes in two, a symbol that I've just lost someone dear and near to me, but also I've got something better now. The mantle of God, the anointing of God. So in going to this area, Elijah strikes the Jordan. Sorry if this is your jumper. <laughs> strikes the Jordan. Sorry, Lee, I just offended you. It's your jumper. And they walk across dry ground, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha now gets the cloak off his master. His master goes to heaven. He doesn't die, according to Jezebel's word. And people are wondering, will this now be the, the man to take on the mantle? So Elisha needs to cross back. So what does he do? He strikes the Jordan. Don't mean to break a jumper. He strikes the Jordan and he walks through dry ground. There is something to be said about faithfulness. That in our circles, when we talk about seasons, I think the, the more we get into years, people think a season is maybe six months or 12, 12 months. But if you look at Scripture, what is the season? Elisha served Elijah for eight years. Moses was a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua served Moses for 40 years himself. Joseph served 13 years from Potiphar's house to the prison before being promoted to be second in charge of Egypt. The period between when David was anointed and the time when he stepped into kingship was 15 years. Just because you've received a prayer, a prophetic word that you're going to do something great and mighty for God doesn't give us permission to all of a sudden abandon ship in the call of God in our lives and think, you know what, I'm just going to do it on my own right now. I love the ministry of Michael and Jess Koulianos, Benny Hinn's um, son-in-law, Michael. In his early years, he thought, maybe I need to do something on my own. And he asked Bill Johnson for advice over dinner and he asked and he said I think I just need to get out of the shadows of these crusades what do you think I should do to Bill a young Michael asked Bill Johnson Bill puts down his cutlery and says well if you weren't around Benny would you receive the mantle on your own he thought yeah if you could that's probably right 
There's a time and a season when God will move us on. But sometimes we get caught up in offences. Sometimes we get caught up with people issues. I love that through the church, by definition, isn't four walls, but it's the called out ones, the gathering, the ecclesia, us, you and me. That Jesus loved the church so much that He died for her. We are the bride of Christ. And He uses Christian fellowship and even the abrasiveness of Christian fellowship to rub out self out of us, to rub out all our immaturities, all our bitterness, the way that we react. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? It isn't a download on your iPhone straight into your brain and your spirit. It's you going through the fire. It's you going through the testing of your love, of your patience, of your kindness. That God will have you react to people who are mean to you, who say bad things about you, the opposite to how the world would say and would recommend that you should react. I thank God that in the multiple opportunities that people have had to bail, to jump ship because of offences that they didn't. That they stuck through all the different issues and you see them on the other side, more mature, more refined. I know because it's, it's, you're in this room and the enemy would love for you to take on offence and, and say, stuff you off, <laughs> off to the next church. Because the issue is, if we don't understand, the Lord wants to use us, each other, to be like, the Bible talks about how as iron sharpens iron, so one man will sharpen another. To sharpen us together. To deal with the issues of the soul. Because if we're not willing to deal with it here, even if you just go to the next place, you're still the same person. It's just, and the issue will just be another person by a different name. We need to deal with the issues of our soul. Let it be done here where God has called you. Amen. I love watching, um, there's this online pastors conference I watched recently as well. This 90 year old was asked to share in the ministry, in fact, he actually dedicated Jess Kulian, it's Benny Hinn's daughter. 90 years of age, I was in the gym, just had my headphones on, and when, when I opened it up, I just assumed he'd be sitting on a chair. 90 years of age, and he's standing, and he says, I shouldn't be here, I should be in heaven. And the way he spoke, full of authority, power, fully cognizant, coherent, and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. We've never seen anything like this. A full, clean bill of health. Many things he shared about Jesus being everything. The center of our lives. But his dad told him, if you go where God is moving, it shows you're hungry for him. Just like Elijah did with Elijah. Reinhard Bonnke, when he was just an overseas Bible college student in England, in 1962, as he walked and did an unguided sightseeing tour of London, 
he came across a house with a nameplate on the front that said George Jeffries. He wanted, if it could be this great George Jeffries who had founded the Elam Pentecostal churches in Ireland and England, where many people got saved, healed, delivered, and whom he had read so much about. This is how he told the rest of the story. There, I rang the bell. A lady opened the door. Pardon my intrusion, ma'am. Does George Jeffries live here, who was the famous firebrand evangelist I've heard so much about? Yes, he does, she replied. May I see him? No, under no circumstances. She had hardly said no when I heard a deep voice from within the house say, let the young man come in. I stepped forward, took his hand and introduced myself. I told him I had a call of God on my life to be an evangelist and to preach the gospel in Africa. That I had been to college in Swansea, Bible College in Wales, and was now returning to Germany. What happened next was extraordinary. All of a sudden, he took me by my shoulders and fell to his knees, pulling me to the floor. He placed his hands on my head and began to bless me as a father blesses a son, as Abraham blessed Isaac, who blessed Jacob, and on and on. The room seemed, so, seemed to light up with the glory of God as he poured out his prayer over me. I do not remember the words which he blessed me with. I don't remember all the prophetic words that these mighty men and women of God prayed over me, but I remember the moments of impartation. But I do remember their effect. That's what he says. My body felt electrified, tingling with divine energy. After about half an hour he finished, I stood up and helped him to his feet. He seemed very frail. We said goodbye. The lady came and escorted me away. He could hardly stand, nor could I, for different reasons. That young man went to become one of the greatest healing evangelists we know now as Reinhard Bonnke. When Bonke's train arrived at the station of his parents' town in Germany, his dad, who came to pick him up, told him that Jeffries just died, had just died. There's a mantle, there is a calling on your life. And God wants to remind you of that this morning. Or perhaps you don't know what it is. You may, maybe have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what it's like to be clothed from on high with power. And we're going to open it up this morning for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or perhaps there's people in the room and you know the call of God and you've been running. You've been running, you've been running, you've been running. Let me encourage you with the words of the song, No Turning Back. Who knows that, that old hymn, which we've uh, modernized recently in a beautiful way. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I shall still follow. That story stems from a rural, remote village in India where I think these Baptist missionaries came to town and the first family that they converted, the village leaders were quite upset and they pulled this family in front of everyone and made some pretty serious threats and follow through. 
the village chief summoned the old villagers and he called the family who had just converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said with these words, which was later picked up, this account, this journal by a songwriter, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children as both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, will you deny your faith now? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied again, though none go with me, I will follow. No turning back. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man said these words, that cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. And he was shot dead like the rest of his family. But in a moment, he was reunited in glory. It is worth following the call of God. It is worth standing up for the name of God. What is this life? Light and momentary are our afflictions, the Bible says. For what waits for us in eternity is a far weightier glory. No eye has seen or ear has heard for what God has prepared for those that love Him. And God is so good, friends, that even Jesus said, if you are willing to leave your mother, your brother, your father, your sister, your lands, and sometimes it's literal, but often it's hyper hyperbole, he's speaking exaggerations to, to make a point, to bring a point across. But if you have that devotion, that commitment to, the, to his heart, to his call, Jesus said you will receive a hundred in the life to come, but also a hundredfold in this life. That he needs to resource you with the power of God to see the call and assignment of God fulfilled in your life for his glory, that many, many people will come to know him. I heard it beautifully said. I've been back and forth because some people don't like when I preach the Bible straight up. When you hear words like the foolish virgins didn't go to heaven and things like that. And how about the, um, the man with the one talent who kept it hidden? The Bible says he was cast into the fire. He was called a wicked and lazy servant. Oh, that's pretty harsh. He had good intentions. And I heard a preacher say it recently reason why that is is because of the implications of such choices to keep it all to ourselves and live for ourselves and live this selfish life the implications that perhaps a family member or a friend could have known the love and the forgiveness of God so I, th I thought thank you we can't preach like this we can't actually tell people about the truth of God and be sober in our thoughts that this life isn't, I've got my ticket to heaven, I'll see you later, I'll see you up there if you're lucky. It's, no, I've got this responsibility, this duty to tell my family, my friends all about Him, to live righteously, to live holy for Him. Let's throw off that sin that so easily entangles and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm not the judge. 
God is. God actually talks about, we can even do things with wrong motives, that things will be tested in the fire, the things that we've done in our life. Whether they've been built with gold or silver, it shall survive the flames. Or if they've been built with hay and straw, wrong motives, selfishness, the fires will go through. But the Bible does actually say, though you will suffer loss, you still shall be saved. So I'm not the judge. If you made Jesus the Lord of your heart, yes, it's simple. Believe in your heart that He died and rose again and confess with your mouth that He is Lord and you shall be saved. It's not by works that man is saved, that lest that anyone should boast, but it's the grace of God, the gift of Jesus. Amen. But, but there's this, this uh, tension in, in what God wants us to do with our lives that He expects a, re- a yield, a return. Amen. That it's not just about us and my comfort. And you know what? I'll see you there if you're lucky. I need to tell you about Jesus. Yes, you get your ticket, but come on, wouldn't it be better if you brought your family with you, your family with you, your friends with you? So no turning back. No turning back. I'm going to do a few call-outs this morning. And I want you all to come to the front at the same time. Firstly, if you've never known the love and the forgiveness of God, and uh, if you're honest, like my friend was, who asked me a very honest question, 2003, July 16, if you were to die and stand before God, is it heaven or hell? And if you have no idea, or even if you're 80% confident, I thought I'd be all right, I'm a Catholic boy. But the Bible says, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter or see the kingdom of heaven. Are you born again? Is your spirit renewed? Is it alive in him or is it dead? Unless you're born again, you must be born again. So if you don't know the love of God or perhaps you've walked away, you're a prodigal son and daughter, you know what that means. And you need to come home to the Father. With every eye closed and head bowed right now, can I just get you to raise your hand? You need to get right with God. Yeah, I see the hand. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Is there anyone else? You need to get right with God. Yeah, I see the hand. Second group of people as well. You've exchanged the call of God for sin and comfort and the things of this world and you've no longer pursued God's heart in what He's called you in and you you thought, I'll just live life my own way. It's time to get back on assignment. It's not, not too late. Moses thought he could just live the rest of his life out in the wilderness tending to sheep. Little did he know God had a great and amazing grand plan for his life to set millions of people free from captivity. If you're in the room and, and you sense you need to get back on the call of God, I'm going to ask you all to stand right now and join me here at the front. If you're in the room and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you need a fresh, you need a baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to be clothed from on high with power to be effective witnesses to your family, to your friends, to your colleagues, to your students. Can I ask you, let's say all be standing on our feet. Can I ask you to come join us here at the front for a prayer of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, You've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You you pray for people. You lead people to 
the Lord. You pray for the sick. You do all those amazing things, but you, you're still unsure. What is the call of God in my life? What am I placed here on earth to do? If you're unsure, why don't you just come meet us and we'd love to pray for you, with you, our team. Have got... Thanks for listening to another online message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.